Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Today, we're going to continue the conversation around some of these late round wide receivers. We had a video, I think a week or two ago, we discussed probably around a week ago, late round wide receivers. So if you're just tuning into this one, it's fine. There's no like, you have to see the first one to see this one, but I urge you to check that one out as well. We talked about guys like Anthony Miller. We talked about guys like Michael Pittman, the rookie now for the Colts, the second round pick. And we talked about Nicole Hardman, the second year player, the second year player rookie last year for the Kansas City Chiefs in that Patrick Mahomes high flying offense. So be sure to check that video out at some time. I'm sure I popped the thumbnail up on the screen by now, but in this one, I'm going to give you three more wide receivers because there's a lot of late round wide receivers. Let's be honest, late round wide receivers are looking at guys taken in that eighth round or later. And really on this video, we're going to be focusing on guys taken in the 10th round or later. And for the most part, the 10th round or later for both of the videos combined. So in your 12 team formats, that would be pick 120 or later, lots of value in these picks. And we're going to start with the guy on the screen behind me. But before we get into that, I want to let you know about a few things. The Supreme Draft Guide. The Supreme Draft Guide is out right now. You can get it for $10 if you are eligible via Monkey Knife Fight sponsoring this video. All the information for the draft guide is down below. I've spent months on it. There's over 120 player profiles and I'll be adding even more throughout the summer. A ton of premium content is going to go up throughout the summer. Rankings, tiers, all those things are there and will be updated throughout the season. Statistics, lots of stuff, different models to play around with as well in their data models. So check it all out. The value cannot be better for you. So go ahead and check that out right now and get ahead of your league mates. And also while we get into it and right before we do, hit the big old like button here on YouTube, smash the subscribe button. I appreciate that. And if you're listening, on the podcast version, feel free to leave a review. We do a giveaway for $50 starting this week. For those who are going to leave a podcast review, there will be a raffle on a weekly basis and not a lot of people do it. So be sure to actually get in there on Apple and leave a review on the Sal Vetri show. But without further ado, let's get breakdown on into it right now with the guy on the screen behind me if you're watching on the video version and that man himself, Miami Dolphins second year player, the former undrafted second year player now out of Colorado State and Preston Williams, Miami Dolphins wide receiver. Preston Williams last year was balling out through the first half of the season before suffering just a a terrible end to his rookie campaign when he tore his ACL. But in those first eight games, he was the number one receiver. Everybody knows Devontae Parker finally broke out last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick chucking the ball around once he took the job from Josh Rosen. But it was Preston Williams' team, and maybe they were neck and neck for the most part right before Preston Williams' injury, but Williams put up better numbers throughout the first half of the season. In those numbers, as you can see on the screen right now, 84.6% of the snaps, he got 32 of 60 targets at a 21.4% target share, very strong number, a 30 37% red zone target share. Over a third of the team's targets in the red zone went to Preston Williams. That was second in the NFL last year, only behind the Green Bay Packers elite prime wide receiver in Devontae Adams. Pretty shocking numbers right there, 37% red zone target share. He accumulated 428 yards in those seven and a half to eight games and three touchdowns. And Miami threw the ball about 42 times per game, which ranked fourth in the NFL. Now, what you see on the screen right now is where he ranked amongst his teammates, including Devontae Parker, the guy who finished the year as a, a top 15 wide receiver last season in what was really his breakout before his injury, Preston Williams was number one on the team in targets by 11 targets all over Devontae Parker and everybody else on this team. Number one in receptions by four, number one in yards by 28 over Devontae Parker. And he had 24 red zone targets, which is that 37%. That was 11 more than anybody else on the entire team. He was just flat out the wide receiver one on this team. Josh Rosen did start the year for Miami and he actually liked Preston Williams both from camp and in the preseason, they had a better connection. And then as Ryan Fitzpatrick took over, it was kind of 50-50 between Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. So that is worth noting. And Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, 33 and a half attempts per game, 235 yards per game and 20 touchdowns. He was seventh in air yards completed. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, even though he gets older, he continues to love to chuck the ball, especially downfield. He had 54 rushing attempts for over 200 yards in four 
touchdowns on the ground. So you can see all that stuff. And now this year, there's there's going to be a decision to be made. When does Tua start? He seems to be healthy. We'll get more medical news as the pandemic is now over and he can actually get on the field. But there's a strong chance that Tua doesn't start till week 12, but there might be the exact same chance that he just starts right at the, out of the gate at week one. So it can go either way right now, which is something to note for your dynasty formats. But whoever's the quarterback there, I think you're going to get good enough quarterback play for a guy like Preston Williams to sustain either being the wide receiver 1B to Devontae Parker's 1A or even just the wide receiver 2 on the outside for this team. And I'll just pop up the chart of red zone target share as you can see right now that I made this tweet a couple of weeks back in the beginning of May, really beginning to middle of May. But Devontae Adams, 39.7%, which is just ridiculous, almost 40% market share of your team's targets, was the only player, like I mentioned earlier, to have more targets than Preston Williams. Then you can see some other crazy and elite names on this list. Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry, Cortland Sutton, Cooper Cup. And then you get to maybe a name you weren't going to see here or, or at least expect to see in Jamison Crowder, who pushed 30% at 29.6. So I have the little asterisk by Preston Williams because he only did play in those eight games. Now, before we get into what they did in the offseason, I'll put up David Zach's tweet and you can follow him at David Zach 16 on Twitter. And he just pretty much said Preston Williams averaged 11.6 points per game as an undrafted free agent in those eight games. Terry McLaurin, who had a great rookie campaign with some pretty bad quarterback play to say the least, but a great rookie campaign. He was actually drafted by the, the Washington Redskins out of Ohio State. He put up 13.7 fantasy points per game, right? So Preston Williams is not that far behind being an undrafted guy, somebody who was pretty much free for the Dolphins to just pick up and sign. And that was a guy who was doing this and breaking out against top cornerbacks on the outside in those eight games last year. So the Dolphins in the offseason, the biggest thing that's going to end up affecting Preston Williams here is that they signed Tua and that's going to be determined. Does he start right out of the gate and he gets this connection every single week with these wide receivers? Or is it four to six to eight weeks of Ryan Fitzpatrick and then Tua takes over and then it's kind of a week to two to three weeks of, oh my God, who's he going to throw the ball to more? Preston Williams, Devontae Barker, neither of them. And that's where some confusion can set in. And that's why I think guys like Preston Williams outside of the ACL tear, of course, are just falling down the the depth charts a little bit because of the fact that there's a little bit of a quarterback uncertainty, maybe a mid-season change, which can affect some things. The Dolphins did have those three first round picks. They spent the pick on a defensive player, but then they got Austin Jackson in the first round, Robert Hunt, another interior offensive lineman in the second, and Solomon Kinley in the fourth. So they improved their quarterback player, or at least the future of that position with Tua, and they took three offensive linemen in the first four rounds. So that was some big upgrades. They got offensive linemen as well in the offseason via free agency. And Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, they also acquired some veteran running back play there. So the offense is pretty revamped. They really didn't lose anything except some offensive line pieces that weren't major losses. And Andy Jones, a wide receiver who did not play for them pretty much at all last year. So yeah, the offense is revamped. It should be coming back healthier mainly Preston Williams being a big piece of that. So we'll see what this offense can do as a whole. If anything, it got better for Preston Williams with the offensive line play that should help either Ryan Fitzpatrick and or Tua. The target competition will be Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki primarily. Gusecki broke out the second half of the year and it pretty much went hand in hand with when Preston Williams ended up getting hurt and he had a great connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's another guy that this guy has great measurables coming out of college from Penn State. A jump ball contested catch artist last year. Gusecki played on 69.5% of the snaps. He caught 51 of his 89 targets for a 15 market share, 570 yards and five touchdowns. And most of close to two thirds of his production came in that final half of the season when Preston Williams was not on the field. So is it going to be now impacted when Preston Williams comes back? Who's going to cut into who? That's the big question here. And then obviously the big elephant in the room that we've kind of hinted at is Tua going to affect any of these players. We don't know. That's the unknowns right now. Now, Devontae Parker broke out and a lot of this was kind of consistent throughout the first eight weeks. And then he just blew up in the second half when Preston Williams was injured to the tune of 128 total targets, a 21% share over 1200 yards 
yards and nine touchdowns on 72 receptions last year. So those are the main target competition hogs. Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns are some other depth pieces at the wide receiver position. Wilson mainly out of the slot. Alan Hearns can be rotated through all positions. And then Preston Williams primarily will be playing on the outside when healthy. So for me, Preston Williams right now is you can currently get Preston Williams with the pick in your draft of 132 overall. So right around the start of the 11th round, I think it's a fine option. I wouldn't be taking him over some of the guys that we discussed in the first video necessarily, maybe not even over some of the other guys in this video as we talk through them, mainly because of the fact that he did tear his ACL in his rookie year as an undrafted free agent. How does that affect the guy with potential quarterback issues? There are a lot of question marks. I love the talent. He was really trending in a way to break out last year, in my opinion, for a thousand plus yard season as an undrafted free agent. That's elite things that you're going to be doing as a wide receiver one on your team. But the fact that he did tear his ACL, not the beginning of the season either, midway through, so two less months to recover from that as a rookie does concern me a little bit. The second player to discuss is the New England Patriots second year receiver, former first round pick from last year's draft, the last pick of the first round, Nikhil Harry. Now, Nikhil Harry right now is going as the 167th overall pick according to Fantasy Pro's rankings as of the date that I'm recording this. So might be different by the time that you're seeing it, which ends up being wide receiver 60 overall. And I think that is completely wrong. And I've discussed this in a couple of other videos and on some other podcasts that I made guest appearances on. Patriots offense in general is just wildly undervalued. Yes, Tom Brady is not there. Yes, Jared Sinner might not be the Tom Brady or one of these top 15 quarterbacks, but everybody's just charting down Jared Stidham as like the worst quarterback in the league right now. Okay, I understand the, the thinking there, but let's just say, what if Jared Stidham ends up being the 20th ranked quarterback in the league and not 30th to 32nd? Like a lot of people are just automatically thinking that he's going to be. And the Patriots were implied for nine wins and not the four or five that everybody thinks they were going to be tanking before the Vegas odds came out. Funny how quickly that turned around once Vegas is posted a nine and a half to nine win total and the favorites in that division on some books. So what if Nikhil Harry as a 22 and a half to 23 year old player before the season really starts to kick off as the outside receiver on this team develops a connection with Stidham and Stidham is at least above expectation and maybe closer to an average quarterback than an absolutely brutal quarterback in this league. Well, then you're getting a, a player in Nikhil Harry and like the 14th round of your drafts, who's potentially the number one receiver and definitely the number one outside receiver for a team. And if anything, a red zone target as well. And you're getting him in the 14th round for a guy who, in my personal opinion, coming out of college out of Arizona state with all the hype around him is a guy who can go for over a thousand yards, can go and push for six to eight touchdowns. And we saw it last year. If anything, he was a red zone weapon for them. And speaking of last year, seven total games, he played on 45.6% of the snaps, 12 receptions on 24 targets. That doesn't sound great, right? A 50% catch rate is not great. Only having 24 targets in seven games is not great. And he was buried a little bit on the depth chart and he was playing limited in a lot of these games. We actually saw him specifically seeing red zone roles only in some of those games. So it's going to skew a lot of his stats because he only saw a 9.6% overall target share, but that 9.6% was actually made up of 16.7% red zone targets. Like I said, he's a former first round pick. So his final season at Arizona State, you can see the stats on the screen right now. He posted 73 receptions for over 1,050 yards and nine touchdowns, 28.8% of the target share on 114 targets. And he saw 14.9 yards per reception. And then you ended up seeing the year before that, 2017, an 82 catch season for over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, same exact target share on 120 targets. So his last two years in college, the guy was an absolute beast. He came out as potentially one of the best players. The, the 1.01 for a lot of dynasty teams last year was Nikhil Harry coming out of college. And then we saw him just struggle with a ton of injuries last year. It was mainly the ankle injury that he suffered before the season started. He came back after missing nine weeks to play in those seven games, but he was very limited in half of those games. And like I said, a red zone role only, his yards per target was ranked at 4.4 yards per target, an absolutely brutal number. Now he's going to get to work with Jared Stenham, who Stenham, the former fourth round pick into the 2019 draft, his last year at Auburn, threw the ball 28.4 times per game, 215 yards per game, 60.7% completion rating. So none of these numbers are absolutely brutal for the offense that they were running there. And 18 touchdowns to five interceptions. That's not terrible either, in my opinion. Now he has no real mobility, but you saw in 2017, he ran 150 
153 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Last year, just one rushing yard did lead to three touchdowns, so some QB sneaks in there on the one-yard line. But Jared Stidham is a guy who's an uncertainty right now. And as I touched that at the top of this segment about Nikhil Harry, if you think Jared Stidham is the worst quarterback in the league or one of the two or three worst quarterbacks in the league, then fine. Nikhil Harry is worth these 14th round picks, or maybe that's where he should be valued at if he only has like a 600-yard season. But if Jared Stidham is actually the the leader, the quarterback of this nine projected win total team by the Patriots, nine and a half in some spots, I think I even saw a 10 in one spot, which is pretty crazy to think about. If that's the case on this team, and he can go out there and be putting up 240 yards per game and putting up one to two touchdowns a game, well, where do you think Nikhil Harry, if healthy, factors into that? He's probably going to be the number one receiver on this team. I know Edelman's there, but Edelman is an aging slot wide receiver. He's probably going to be the number one, at least outside receiver on this team. Patriots in the offseason obviously lose Gronkowski, who comes out of retirement, never were expecting to have him. They lose Tom Brady, they lose some offensive line help, they lose Philip Dorsett, which is another reason why Nikhil Harry has even more opportunity in this target share. Philip Dorsett, an outside receiver, is now gone. They do bring in some potential veteran threats to Nikhil Harry, but guys who have been burnouts and washouts, and at best wide receiver threes, really wide receiver fours in their team's offense, in Marquise Lee, the former Jaguar, and Demir Bird, the former Arizona Cardinal, who did see a lot of snaps last year. In the draft, they pretty much have a weird draft with odd defensive players and first picks, and then they go back to back tight ends with Devin Asiasi in the third round, Dalton Keene in the third round as well. Asiasi factors to be more involved in the passing game as Keene factors to be more involved as potentially a fullback and really just a blocking tight end for the most part. So Nikhil Harry, if anything, right now as outside receivers, he's competing with Mohamed Sanu, an aging veteran receiver who struggled to transition to the outside last year. Uh, the injury dealt with that a little bit. And then Marquise Lee and Demir Bird. I, I'm going to bet on Nikhil Harry in that situation in terms of athleticism and just overall ceiling when it comes to fantasy football. Now the target competition will be Edelman, will be Mohamed Sanu, will be James White out of the backfield, of course, a pass catching running back and all these tight ends, including the two rookies that I just touched on. If we look at Edelman specifically throwing his stats up on the screen right now, 88.5% of the snaps last year, 100 receptions over 1100 yards and six touchdowns with his handy trusted quarterback in Tom Brady, 154 targets ranked third in the NFL, 26.2% of the target share. So Edelman was top five and top 10 and top three in a lot of different categories last year for receivers. And he just beasted out as he normally does when Tom Brady is there. But now that he's aging, dealt with injuries, really the final quarter and into the playoffs last year for Edelman, it'll be interesting to see if he's starting to hit a little bit of a cliff, especially with the changing quarterback right now. Then you have Mohamed Sanu in 2019 with the Falcons and with the New England Patriots played on 74% of the combined snaps through those first two teams. He did play a month of his season. He missed one of the games as well with the Patriots with a bum ankle, but he was on the injury report for four to five weeks. So it factored into his production drop a little bit when he went from Atlanta to New England. So that'll definitely factor into your production hit when you go to Atlanta to New England, just learning a new playbook as well. And they also took him out of the slot because Edelman was there and pushed him to the outside. So all these things just were really hard for Sanu to kind of grasp in his first year. So if anything, maybe there's an upside to Sanu's game, although he is an aging receiver. He had 59 receptions for 520 yards and two touchdowns on 89 targets last year, just 8.3 fantasy points per game, ranked 101st in yards per reception with 8.8, not good numbers. And then James White, the pass catching running back, had 95 targets, saw 6.3 targets per game, caught 72 of them, ended up being 4.8 per game for 645 yards, which broke down to 43 yards per game receiving. So Nikhil Harry for me in this team, yes, Julian Edelman's there. I think Julian Edelman, if you could have a wide receiver, would be the one that you want to actually own in fantasy, but you're not going to get him in the 14th round. You're going to get Edelman in the 7th or 8th round. And if Jared Sinem is anything better, like I said, than the 32nd ranked quarterback in the league, Nikhil Harry, there's a good chance that he could actually be worth a seventh or eighth round pick come next year, the former first round product. All the talent in the world is there right now. It's just a matter of what Jared Sinem looks like. It's just a matter of Nikhil Harry is finally healthy and it was just an ankle sprain. So I assume now that he is healthy. I'm going to give one more shot on Nikhil Harry because I think the guy deserves it. He ended up dealing with injuries last year and learning a playbook as a rookie and kind of a thrown into the fire with Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon ending up just getting off the team. Philip Dorsett ending up dealing with injuries and being 
really being reduced to a red zone role. So I'm going to give it another go with Nikhil Harry. I think he's a very nice late round value wide receiver. Before we get into the final receiver and he's a rookie as a little bit of a teaser, please do hit the big old like button, smash the subscribe button that just popped up on the screen, bottom right hand corner. I really appreciate it if you do that. It allows people to find my content more when you engage with the content within the video. YouTube goes, oh, they're subscribing within the video. This guy's stuff might, must be engaging. People like it. Let's show it to more people. So all that stuff really does help free of charge. And another way to support me is by getting the Supreme Draft Guide. It's all linked up down below. You can check it out right now. It's out. It's released. It's being sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, which reduces the price from $30 to $10 if you're indeed in a state that is eligible. But all that's information, you can figure it all out linked down below at the top of the description. Thank you so much. Let's get into our final player right now. And the final player out of Baylor, second round pick, pick 2.27, the 27th pick in the second round by the New York Jets, my man, Denzel Mims. I like Denzel Mims a lot. He's currently going off the board as the wide receiver 61, pick 168. You can get him in your 14th, 15th round, somewhere around there. And why not take a shot on Denzel Mims in an offense that just has a ton of available targets heading into this year and no true proven outside alpha receiver for Sam Donald, a guy who should be taking strides now that he's over mono and now that he finally has an offensive line. But let's get into all of that right now. In 2019, I'll put up the profile, which is a little bit of a sneak peek. It's just a snippet of a piece of the profile from Denzel Mims in the overall uh, Supreme Draft Guide. And the Supreme Draft Guide is just organized in a beautiful way. My designer ended up helping me a ton with it to kind of show you a little bit of a preview, kind of like this is player profile, uh, but not just the way that you're going to see it right now, like a Word doc. But here is the Word doc format for those of you watching on the video format. Spent four years at Baylor, taken by the Jets in the second round, 22 and a half years old, 6'3", 207 pounds, and he ran a 4'3", He was one of the fastest wide receivers, a top five speed wide receiver out of the combine, and he falls to the second round and late in the second round as a guy was being profiled out as a potential borderline first round pick. Now in 2019, he had 66 receptions for over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns on a 24.1% target share, 15.4 yards per reception. He balled out at the combine, the senior bowl. He was really just looking fantastic and trending in the right direction. And I think he got one of the best possible situations where he can land. And you can see what the Jets did in the offseason right here, just increase their offensive line play. George Font, Alex Lewitt, fine, whatever, who really cares much about them. But then they get Connor McGarvin, which was huge. And they get Mikel Becton in the draft. So their offensive line is definitely going to be improved because Sam Darnold was just getting sacked left and right last season. What do they also do? in the NFL draft, well, you could see they get Beckham, they get Mims himself, they get a fourth round running back in P. Ryan, but then they go and they sign Frank Corn free agency. So a little bit of running back depth now behind Le'Veon Bell. And then they pick up some more offensive line help in free agency. They pick up some more offensive line help in the NFL draft and fourth round offensive tackle Cameron Clark. They lose Robbie Anderson. They lose Demarius Thomas. That's all fine and well because they got Denzel Mims and then they got Brashad Perriman, the former Tampa Bay Buck in free agency. So here's the way that I look at it right now. I love Sam Donald. The kid's only 23 years old. Sam Donald is younger than Joe Burrow. So just think about that in terms of the future for his upside in this league and his upside as long as the Jets continue to give him contracts in this league because he got two years under his belt in the NFL and he's younger, still a year younger than Joe Burrow, who has no years of experience. I would still want Sam Darnold without question at this point. And he just got a bad rap last year. Look, he missed a couple games with Mono. He came back sooner than expected, but you have to imagine that lingered for a couple weeks. He was playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the entire league. His best wide receiver was an undersized slot receiver. I love Jameson Crowder, but if that's your best wide receiver, you're going to have issues when your outside receiver is a walking body of Demarius Thomas, who I don't believe is on a football team right now, maybe even retired, and Robbie Anderson, who can't run short and intermediate routes all that well, mainly a deep route runner. So there was just not a lot of weapons. Le'Veon Bell was not being used right in the proper way, in my opinion, in the pass catching game. Chris Hearn. 
Herndon only played like 15 snaps due to suspension and injury. So everything went wrong for Sam Darnold. Now they get the offensive line. Now he's healthy. They go out, they get Brashad Perriman, who's pretty much a one-for-one split with Robbie Anderson. I'd rather have Robbie Anderson probably. They get Chris Herndon back. Le'Veon Bell's back there with a rookie running back behind him. And they get Denzel Mims on the outside, who I personally think is going to outproduce Brashad Perriman as the number one outside receiver. Maybe not the most receptions because Crowder's a target hog in the slot, but the number one outside receiver on this team. Now the target competition is Crowder, is Perriman, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Herndon. And then there's some guys like Vincent Smith. And there's some talk that Denzel Mims is going to be behind Vincent Smith on the depth chart to start the season. And right now he's battling for the wide receiver three spot. And Vincent Smith and Perriman are going to be the starters. We'll see when camp comes and all that. I don't really think that I believe that Denzel Mims, a second round receiver with upside is just immediately going to be buried behind Vincent Smith, who really didn't do much last year. You can see Matt Jajewski's tweet right here. I don't really love vacated targets all that much to look at it, but it's at least a nice visual to look at just in terms of rookies coming into good opportunities. Like obviously, look, there's 183 targets from last year that aren't there this year. That's not a good stat to just look at without explaining why it's not good because offenses change, of course. So maybe there was something last year that they were having to throw a lot because they were trailing, which is true. If they're not trailing as much this year, there's not going to be as many targets to go around. Uh, Obviously, Denzel Mims is not going to have 183 targets to his name. So there's a really good chance that I could easily say uh, Brashad Perriman has 183 targets to fill, right? So it's just about how you anchor it. But I just want to let you know that 183 total targets from last year are no longer in this offense, which pretty just much means that there's opportunity. I don't want to pinpoint the exact number, but there's a lot more opportunity for Denzel Mims than a lot of the other rookies out there. And that's what this picture is really supposed to indicate for you. The target competition Crowder last year had 122 targets, 24.7% of the target share, 29.6% we touched on earlier when talking about Preston Williams of the red zone target share. That's just an elite number, especially for a slot wide receiver, an undersized one, not like these plus size guys like Cooper Cup. So pretty interesting to see. Caught 78 balls. This guy caught 78 balls and still only had 834 yards. So that's his game. He's going to catch five yard passes. I'm pretty sure he had like a 13 catch game for only 99 yards, like week one or two last year. Didn't even break 100 yards catching 13 balls. Just nuts. Six total touchdowns. And then you have a couple guys who are leaving behind some targets. These are the guys. Robbie Anderson is leaving behind 96 targets, a 19.5% target share, 52 receptions, five touchdowns last year. Demarius Thomas, I think he's retired. Who knows at this point? But he's leaving behind 55 targets as the wide receiver three last year behind Crowder, behind Anderson. Then they signed Brashawn Perriman to a one-year $3 million deal. In 2019, he had 36 receptions on 69 targets with Tampa Bay. Really came on when Mike Evans and Chris Goblin ended up getting hurt for the final two to three games of the season. And then finally, the running back Le'Veon Bell, who last year did have 66 receptions. I just didn't think they used him in the right way, in my opinion. It was a lot of dump offs, not a lot of design plays on 74 targets. So this is the way that it shapes up. It's going to be Denzel Mims. Fine. He's battling with Vincent uh, Smith right now as the second spot on this team at wide receiver. I honestly think he has the talent to rival Brashad Perriman as the wide receiver one. And it's just open. It's wide open right now on the outside. So even if he isn't listed as the starter, I'm sure he'll be rotated in for at least 40% of the snaps uh, week one. And if he's going to be starting, then he's going to be playing somewhere between 70 to 90% of the snaps. So that's where I'm at right now with these three guys. I do think that Denzel Mims is definitely worth those 14, 15 round picks because who else are you picking there? Larry Fitzgerald? I don't want to be picking these guys who I'm hoping get like 50 receptions for 500 yards and five touchdowns. No, I want guys like Denzel Mims who can potentially just burst out as a second round talent with a lot of opportunity to go around for a 900 yard season, a DK Metcalf type 900 yard season. Or maybe he just blows the top off it and goes for a thousand yards and six to seven touchdowns like AJ Brown did last year. That's the type of guys I'm shooting for. And I think Denzel Mims has that upside based on talent and based on the offense that he's in with all this opportunity for this year. So those are three wide receivers. You can check out the first video if you have not yet seen it already. And I urge you to check out the 2020 fantasy football overall playlist. There's like 60 videos in there. We're going to have another 60 to 70 as the summer goes on. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide. All the information for the draft guide is down below. It's a limited time offer only Monkey Knife Fight sponsoring it. Just $10 if you're eligible. So figure out all that stuff down below. You're eligible for it either way. Even if you're not eligible for the offer, you can just go to the main page and get the draft guide there. So be sure to hit the like button. 
one. Smash the big subscribe button that just popped up. If you're not yet ready to get the draft guide, there's a free top 25 running back rankings down below as well. You can check all that stuff out. Get into the community discord if you would like. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comment section, or you can follow me on Twitter and drop me a message there at DFS. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you all in the next one.